Welcome to The Savage Truth with Cicely Davis. I am your host, Cicely Davis. The Puppet Master's newest move in the race exploitive game, a Princeton anti-capitalist class teaches on the premise that black people should be considered handicapped due to systemic racism. God almighty help us. Will the black community finally cut the puppet strings or continue in this abusive relationship? Well, that remains to be seen, but we should talk about it and we should do it now on The Savage Truth with Cicely Davis. Welcome back. Cicely Davis here for the 11th episode of The Savage Truth. So thrilled to be joining you today. Just wanted to say that I am grateful. I appreciate you and I hold the Horowitz Freedom Center and front page in high regard. Yes, yes, of course, for giving me the opportunity for a platform, but most significantly for being absolutely fearless and savage in their mission and their efforts and their pursuits to preserve this exceptional nation. As always, please like, subscribe, share, and leave a positive review on Spotify, on YouTube, and or Apple Podcasts as we get into this week's look into yet another failure in academia. It never ends. Yes, you heard me correctly, folks, that a Princeton University class curriculum slated for the upcoming fall semester claims that Black people can be considered disabled due to the alleged systemic racism they face. Now, this is an anti-capitalist class. A professor who specializes in women, gender, and sexuality studies bases the teaching and the asinine notion primarily from the featured book entitled Permission to Maim by Jasbir Puar. Now, the book argues that Black people, along with other groups like Black Lives Matter, were and are deemed to be oppressed by systemic racism and can be considered disabled since the supposed, supposed structures in place limit their agency in society. Now I'm going to step out of place here a little bit, and I just want to let everybody know, just to be completely candid and transparent, that um, I want to stop and apologize. Now, I actually recorded um, this earlier, but had some technical difficulties and the fantastic producers um, and technical people at um, Freedom Center were really kind to try to work through it. But um, ultimately, I had to re-record this. So I thank you so much for your patience um, and allowing me to get this back out and apologize for the delay. But yes, as I get back to the subject matter, um, this class again, is based on the notion, the asinine notion that Black people can actually be considered or should be considered disabled because of the alleged systemic racism that they face. And it's book, based on this book, Permission to Maim. Now, I'm going to read a few quotes here. There's a lot of just nonsense that I read through here, um, some excerpts, but um, just very... Um, I'm going to pick out a few here. Let me read this to you. So I quote, Black Lives Matter and the struggle to end the Israeli occupation of Palestine are not only movements allied 
with disability rights, nor are they only distinct disability justice issues. Rather, I am motivated to think of these fierce organizing practices collectively as a disability justice movement itself, as a movement that is demanding an end to so many conditions of pre-characterization that debilitate many populations. These movements may not represent the most appealing or desired versions of disability pride, but they are movements anchored, in fact, in the lived experiences of debilitation, implicitly contesting the right to maim, and imagining multiple futures where bodily capacities and debilities are embraced rather than weaponized. End of quote. Now, of course, there should be offense by the very fact that this class is even offered. What a waste of time and money. Um, the fact that a professor, a professional, actually literally wants to present a class on this entire notion. And I, I can just imagine that there are, of course, people of color, which I hate that term, by the way, um, people of different cultures taking this class and reading the curriculum itself, the description of the class, I can't imagine someone not taking offense and literally just signing up just to sit and listen and just, <laughs> I don't know, just flip this, this professor off. But this is, this is basically what this class is all about. And you can actually read about that curriculum online, which I did do. So, so many, too many of our universities, almost especially the most prestigious, in my opinion, have these chicken-headed, racist, massive-minded professors teaching our children, our young adults, and the future population generations of our country this plantational hogwash. They literally cannot help themselves from insulting Black people at every turn. I mean, the entire premise of the class itself is a financial and intellectual waste at best, and an overtly insulting, condescending falsehood of racial pandering at its worst. And it has an all too familiar base of destructive ideology set up or created to create blacks, to keep blacks tied to the Democratic Party, offering excuses and lame racial explanations for failed efforts to excel and embrace and acknowledge progress in this country. As usual, I mean, I know literally, it's literally the same story, but it's just always fed by the same sources, right? It's these white liberals who are trying to apologize or make up for their past ancestral um, misgivings and wrongdoings. And I say that with a big quote in the air, of course. What's always so difficult in these theories and these books, these agendas and these professors, these experts and ideologues is that as a black citizen, you cannot hear any one of these without being insulted. You just simply can't. So this professor this Miss Larson is no different than an AOC or a Pete Buttigieg or a Nancy Pelosi or an Elizabeth Warren. I think what's difficult for blacks to accept is that in that very same category of race baiting poverty pimps are other members like Obama and a LeBron and a Al Sharpton and a Maxine Waters, a Stacey Abrams and a Raphael Warnock. Listen, I don't need to go in too deep to explain the depth of these insults, the overtly offensive stance of this author or this racist tone deaf professor who I am sure 
is more than thrilled to instruct this class in order to further insult and brainwash students. I mean, that's clear. You know, I need to state this. This is important. And I know you've heard it from several people, but I don't know that I've necessarily said it. So let me go on record to say it. It is not easy being a black conservative in America. It is not easy being a black conservative in America. It's not easy taking the hits, taking the insults, the betrayal, hearing and listening to the chatter, the name calling, et cetera, because why? Because I've decided to think for myself, because I've decided to weigh the facts and, and review data, because I've decided to embrace my, individu- and my individuality and my faith and my country and figure out how to be a productive, grateful, and contributing member of society. That, of course, renders me a coon and a bootlicker and a black white supremacist and a shine and a spear chucker and a race traitor, um, self-loathing, right? I mean, it, it goes on and on and on. So no, folks, it's not easy. But someone has to stand up and someone has to speak out. And, uh, you know, you have to just make a decision to draw a line in the sand. So the racial pandering by this book and the formulation of this class and all other offensive ideologues like white fragility and the 1619 project and critical race theory and diversity and inclusion initiatives pours out of the mindset and the view of the most racist, elitist individuals in the country. They report this way on CNN. You hear it on NBC and MSNBC, and they write books and they give speeches and they peddle fear. And it's not enough to lie and revise our history, right? They don't stop there. Like we see in here in the 1619 Project and Critical Race Theory, we're now handicapped. Black people are now handicapped. Too dumb, too black, too stupid, too oppressed to excel. <laughs> too dumb, too black, too stupid, too oppressed to prosper. Too black, too dumb, too stupid, too oppressed to succeed. Too black, too dumb, too stupid, too oppressed to have any hope of an excellent future unless the almighty, all-knowing elitist saviors extend their hands and pat our heads to pull us out. (laughs) Now, here's the savage truth. Black people are culpable in this. Now, let me kind of set this up. I'm not saying that black people are culpable because of the class, but what I'm saying is, is that if you have kind of set yourself up to receive the handouts and you haven't held people accountable for the insults, right? I mean, if you are a part of the group that has been a part of this cultural decline, right? And uh, I mean, listen, in New York, in New York, the city that I was born in, Right In New York, Black people are responsible for 40% of arson, 60% of murders, and then like 52% of other like highly offensive crimes. Okay. This is ridiculous. 13 and a half, 14% of the population in this country responsible for a tremendous amount of crime. So there is a cultural problem. Yes, Black people, I am saying it as a Black member- of the culture, there is a culture problem. We have a culture problem. I'm calling it out. So, hey, they're culpable in this way. We're culpable in this way. Hey, 
And listen, take no offense if you're hearing this. I can fully understand what it's like to believe the lies. After all, I was a part of the monolith, true blue, no pun intended, true and blue to the core. I went along. I didn't question. I didn't challenge. I didn't research. I just took for truth what was told and regurgitated to me. I didn't study and I didn't know of a Larry Elder and I hadn't heard of a Thomas Sowell, right? I didn't fully and truly understand the life and the work and the significance of a Clarence Thomas and what he represented and what he did. I knew that he was conservative. I knew that he was, um, there's something about his life and what he had done that was unprecedented. Um, but I didn't actually study his life and how important he was to this country and particularly for the black race and politically for our country. I didn't do it. So, Hey, I get it. But today we've been stretched and challenged so far. And I mean, so far to the left that we have to take a look at things and start asking questions. We need to start asking W H why, why, why do black neighborhoods look the way they do in comparison to other cultures, neighborhoods? Why, why are we in last place in learning? Why are we in last place in education? Why are we in last place in health? Why are we such a small part of the population yet responsible for all the most horrendous crimes in the country? Why is South Dakota and Florida and Montana and Tennessee doing well while states like Cali and New York and Minnesota always reporting violence and death attacks and issues with education and poverty and health crises? What is it about the leadership in those set of states versus another? How is it that Maxine Waters can hold office, I mean, be in public service for over 40 years, but the kids in her district struggle significantly in education? I mean, I think Larry Elder reported that the kids in her district don't read above a third grade level. And I think since he announced that in 2019, that it's actually further decline. A woman who has failed to deliver, deliver for her people has never garnered garnered less than 71% of the vote since 1990. Why? Why is it if she's literally failing the people she's supposed to serve, why they continue to vote for her? How does she get to remain in office? Why is it we have black congressmen and women, black police officers, black principals and black superintendents and black council members and mayors and commissioners but black statistics continue to decline. And by the way, since we have all those high-ranking black leaders, where's the racism? I mean, you know how that question goes. Why hasn't there been an increase in black literacy? Why? Why, if all these black leaders are supposed to be in to help their own, has abortion amongst blacks increased? Why has crime gone up? And black men continue to kill more black men. If blacks are 13% of the American population and half of that 13.5% are males, why do we continue to see an increase in murder if we have all these black, black-loving politicians and leaders? I mean, we have to start asking these questions. Why is it that Michelle Obama, who is from the south side of Chicago, but mind you, why she couldn't why couldn't she curb the or address the murder rate while she was the wife of the president for two terms 
I mean, she had eight years to get it together. I mean, she certainly did well in getting milk to the kids, but she couldn't do anything to help her own, own city that she's from. Since she's so revered and praised by the black community, why hasn't anyone asked her these questions or pressed in on her for these questions and for these answers? If whites are now acknowledging and apologizing for slavery and we're redefining terms and we're redefining faith and we're redefining family and redefining culture and traditional values, why aren't things better? Why aren't things getting better? Take a listen to a racist. Always stop and take a listen to a racist. They always tell you the savage truth about their mindset and how they think, how they think of you and how they think of themselves. I mean, it was Margaret Sanger who thought and said that blacks should be exterminated. Woodrow Wilson, Democrat president, who wrote the five volumes entitled A History of the American People and deleted every black person out of American history. It was Woodrow Wilson who fired every black working for the federal government except for one to leave that token black. Now, he's responsible for the second revival of the Klan, who actually used Wilson's five-volume set to, as a script to write the first Klan movie entitled The Birth of a Nation, which was a Klan recruitment film, which Wilson actually showed in the White House. It was Elizabeth Warren who lied about her, her background to ponder to ethnic people. It was Hillary Clinton who said to black people that she always keeps hot sauce in her purse. And it was Joe Biden who referred to black neighborhoods as jungles. And let's not forget the infamous, if you don't vote for me, then you ain't black. I mean, just recently, I think that was a matter of fact, today or yesterday, Larry Elder was on the Breakfast Club um, visiting the interviewing with Charlemagne the God, who, by the way, has so much to say about racism in this country. And I loved how he charged and challenged Charlemagne and said, how could you allow Joe Biden to sit in front of you, a black man, and tell you that if you dare think for yourself, if you don't know if you're voting for Trump or me, then you ain't black. How are you not offended by that? I mean, that should have been a writing on the wall. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. He was asking questions. We got to start asking questions. This professor is simply doing what racists do. But we teach people, all of us, we teach people how to treat us. If you're truly pro-black, you would form and strengthen and maintain black families. One man, one woman. You would abandon abortion and stop the killing and stagnation of the black population. If you were truly pro-black, you would stop killing one black killing another and hold life, life itself in high regard. If you're truly pro-black, you will return to your faith, thereby resurrecting your moral compass. You would respect yourself. You would respect others. You would respect your property and you would respect the property of others and yours and theirs inalienable rights. And you would respect the country that through its unique birth certificate called the Constitution, provides you with all the freedom and liberty to live freely and to prosper and to self-determine. And you would tell this racist, sat larson to kick rocks. 
That's what you would do. That you are not a black victim of America, that you are more than capable of contributing to society in an important and productive way, that you are indeed an American, an American, not black in America. And that the color of your skin or the story or your circumstances as to how you got here is not more important than how and what you do with the life and the freedom you have. I'm not handicapped by America's history. In fact, I'm empowered by it. So you can keep your proverbial scooter, wheelchair, crutches, prosthetics, listening and viewing aids, your special tags and signs and accommodations. The savage truth is America doesn't owe anyone an apology. We wholeheartedly reject yours, you racist, elitist, pandering gas bags. And this is what is needed in order to truly get us moving in the right direction, standing up for truth and being true, being true to self, being true to our traditional values, being true to what the founding fathers set forth and and established, being true to our birth certificate called the Constitution. And before I close, understand this, that no one, absolutely no one does anything without getting something in return. The media gets clicks and loyal supporters and viewers. Intellectuals and academia get to sell books. The K through 12 educational establishment, they get to further indoctrinate our children. Corporations get customers for higher profits and politicians get votes and they get to remain in power all to chip away and dismantle our country. Ask questions. Think. Is this country really just a racist experiment designed to hold one group of people back? Or am I being used as a lab rat for someone else's agenda? Who benefits from my failures? Who benefits from my dependencies? Who who benefits from my anger and my outrage? Who benefits from the exploitation of my fears? Why is life worse for Blacks after having had a Black president? Why are white liberals so willing and incessantly apologizing for wrongs they haven't committed? And why can't any of these Black liberal leaders get anything done to improve these vital statistics? I think if we stop and look and review and think, pause, get quiet, and think. We will definitely arrive at a savage truth about this progressive agenda. Please like, please subscribe, please share, and leave a positive review. And with that, folks, I say as I always do, be strong, be brave, be faithful, be true. I'm Cicely Davis. Till next time. The Savage Truth with Cicely Davis is a production of Front Page Magazine and the David Horowitz Freedom Center. Reproduction of this podcast without express written consent is prohibited.